When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Batter Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 132 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. Um, So I feel like the opening to this podcast when it comes to the current state of the Mets is very similar to how it was last week, which is that I feel it's very deja vu. It's like, the Mets got their ass kicked by the Astros, but then they did. They took care of business against a team that's not quite as good as the Astros. <laughs> um, last week, it was the Marlins. This week, it's the Texas Rangers, who are no pushovers by any stretch of the imagination, but they're an under 500 team. You know, they won two out of three against them um, after looking, you know, very rough again against the Astros. They enter play today three and a half games up on the Atlanta Braves. Um we were hoping that, uh, you know, after especially after last night, that Great American Ballpark, uh, the Red Stadium, would jumpstart the offense because it had been looking quite rough lately. But we are in a 0-0 ball game in the fourth inning with Max Scherzer on the mound uh, as we podcast. So, uh, you know, <laughs> on the mound pitching for the Mets. So the Mets don't have that excuse as to why they can't seem to put up a single bleeping run in this silly bleeping ballpark. Yep. Yep. Um, both actually both teams, uh, tonight, the Mets and the Reds have a starting pitcher who's returning from injury after a rather lengthy absence. Um, the red starter hasn't pitched in even longer. Um, he had like a back strain, 
Um, so he's been out a very long time. Scherzer's pitching well, but you know, the Mets aren't scoring either. So here we are. Um, it's like Jacob deGrom never left. Yep. Uh, you know, I like a lot of the like Mets issues lately were because they were missing their two aces. Well, one of them is back. The other one, Jacob deGrom, uh, through his first rehab start, um, albeit in the ugliest uniform you will ever lay your eyes upon. Uh, camo with the fo- with the stars and stripes. Yikes. Um, but, you know, that's good. The Mets have Scherzer back. DeGrom is on the way. So hopefully that will provide a boost to the team, <laughs> even if the Mets can't get Scherzer a, a dub tonight. Um, hopefully that that means like better things are on the way. And we have, you know, exited June. So we are in an easier part of the schedule in theory. Um, so hopefully the Mets can build up their lead again, even if the Braves seem to never lose, although they did lose to this Reds team, thanks to three Mets legends, <laughs> three separate Mets legends. It was what, um, Brandon Drury, uh, Albert Almora provided the game winning hit Albert Almora jr. And, um, oh my God, why can't I remember the other, the third player involved who used was to it be Matt Reynolds? Yes, it was Matt Reynolds. Ugh. Um, correct. So the, the, the reds managed to pull out one victory in their series against the Braves, which happened right before this current Mets series. Um, so yeah, that's the way th- things are stand right now. The Mets are three and a half games up. Um, hopefully they can use this time, uh, to extend their lead a little bit. Uh, I would feel more comfortable if they did that. Um, but of course, you know, the Mets can never really catch a break because even like every time it seems like they're getting one of their pitchers back, another one goes down. So like first it was Tyler McGill going down. Um, and now Chris Bassett is on the COVID injured list, injured list, uh, relatable. Relatable. I am also on the COVID injured list, folks. Uh, I currently and am infected with the novel coronavirus. I like, you know, avoided it for 27 months, but here I am. I am um, only just recently returned from the COVID IL and unrelated stints to Allison's. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm okay right now. I'm isolating. I'm the only one here in the apartment. I'm isolating uh, all that good stuff. And I feel okay enough to speak to you guys today. Um, but yeah, uh, fact remains that Chris Bassett, uh, can't pitch while he's on the COVID IL and it's unclear when he will return. Uh, so it's unclear whether Trevor Williams will have to make another start. Um, Oh Lord, please save us from another Trevor Williams start, which like that didn't go very well. I mean, granted great. He'll be when he's in the bullpen, right? Granted it was the Astros. So, you know, or, or did Williams even pit, did Williams pitch against the Rangers? Uh, why can't I remember when he last pitched? Um, I thought it was against the Astros, but I might be wrong. No, it was, it was Trevor Williams. No, it was, it was the Rangers because it was Trevor Williams against Martin Perez. That's what it was. That matchup went about as expected though, because you know, Martin Perez is pretty good and Trevor Williams is like a fifth, sixth starter type. Um, that's generous. Yeah. You know, um, but another pitcher who has, you know, stepped up really big for the Mets in these past few weeks while they've been dealing with these like roster changes and, you know, David Peterson's also been on uh, the paternity list, but I don't think he's going to actually miss a start because of that. He, he, uh, he made the start in place of Bassett on Friday and pitched well. Um, and he will be back in time to make his next start. Um, he went on the paternity list, like pretty much immediately after. Um, but during all of this, like, roster turnover um Taiwan Walker has been 
fantastic for the Mets. Um, he was great against the Astros. It's just that Justin Verlander was just as good. And then, you know, the Mets bullpen coughed it up. Um, but, you know, we talked about um, we talked about potential Mets like fringe all stars uh, last week. Um, and I a guy that we did not talk about during that segment was Taiwan Walker. Um, and I feel that he deserves a special shout out this week as a guy that might very well make his second consecutive all-star team. Yeah. I mean, he, um, he's looked awesome and, you know, it's one of those things where given how the rest of his season progressed last year, I don't exactly want to say he looks like he looked last year. Um, but he does. And I hope that, that that's where the comparison ends <laughs> and that he just carries on his merry way pitching well and doesn't uh, completely break down like he did last year, which I think part was part of it was definitely due to overuse. They didn't have a lot of other options, hopefully with some guys coming back and better depth overall that um, that he'll be able to get like some extra days here and there. And I think that'll make a big difference. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I think that like, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week, I think, um, about, you know, if the Mets are, and that's always famous last words, because as we've seen, like, you know, even as pitchers get healthy, like other ones often get hurt, which is why you have to build this depth that the Mets have built and already scraped the absolute bottom of the barrel of, um, but hopefully at some point, and hopefully it comes right at the right time when they need it. All of their arms will be healthy at once. And I think that, you know, uh, McGill in particular would be a very potent bullpen threat for the Mets. Um, Because to me, like of all the Mets, like kind of uh, like back of the rotation starters, he's the one that like I think might make the best transition to the bullpen only because like if you're a guy like him who's decided he wants to throw 99 miles an hour now. Um, and keeps hurting himself doing that (laughs) side eye at Jake, but even more side eye at Tyler McGill, um, like then maybe you can just be a 99 mile an hour guy, but only throw an inning at a time. (laughs) Yeah. And it definitely, especially, you know, if he is coming back late enough in the season that it's going to be tough to get him stretched out, um, using like letting him kind of pack a lot of punch into just an inning or two. You know, and I think when I think about what he could do in in that role, I think of like the Seth Lugo of a few years ago. Yes. Who, you know, could easily give you two innings um, and could also kind of come into a messy spot and, and clean it up and just kind of that like that elite setup kind of pitcher. I, I think McGill could fill that role. Yeah. And like, you know, Seth Lugo, Seth Lugo wanted to be a starting pitcher and was, but for a while, but was less effective. Um, And so you kind of like can see a similar progression playing forward with um, with McGill potentially in that role. That would be really nice to see. And it would really help because the Mets bullpen could certainly use the help. Um, They have actually speaking of the Mets bullpen. They prior to the game, uh, Max Scherzer was obviously activated from the injured list um, and the corresponding roster move uh, to make room for him on the roster was that they designated Chase and Treve for assignment. Uh, So the Chase and Treve. They haven't given any home runs up yet today. (laughs) So the Chase and Treve experiment is over, folks, thankfully. (laughs) But how sad is that, that they're like, 
off-season lefty plan has now been DFA'd in July. <laughs> I know, right? It's like second lefty, chase and treat. Like they're their potential their first lefty, I think. Well, he yeah. was their first lefty. Jolie Rodriguez was the oh god, not that guy. Guy. Yes. Yes. That didn't last. He was their backup. Jolie was their backup. I think would be a super good time to start calling up some lefties or trading for some lefties. Yes. I, I, I guess I should have said calling up some lefties, current teams to see calling up <laughs> some teams who employ about. left-handed pitchers. Got yes. a lefty? Um, yeah. I mean, we've talked about, um, you know, uh, David Peterson in the bullpen as a left-handed option. Again, if all their arms get healthy, um, cause if you have, um, a, you know, when you've got a playoff rotation, potentially, um, you really only need four starting pitchers and the Mets obviously have, in theory, they have two aces at the top, uh, in DeGrom and Scherzer. And if they are both healthy by then, and then you have a really, really good, like one behind that in Taiwan Walker, and then you have Carlos Carrasco also. So, and Chris Bassett and Chris Bassett coming back from the COVID IL. So you have like, you really have those five guys who are pretty cemented in the rotation. Um, if they're all healthy at once, so you could even pick like four of those five guys to start playoff games and then like use guys in the bullpen. So David Peterson is another option. I think we've talked about him in the, in the past, I think Tyler McGill's stuff lends itself the best to a bullpen transition, but David Peterson is another option. Um, I am not sure quite frankly, what Peterson's splits are this year, as far as like, it has he been more effective against left-handed batters than right-handed batters. It's on, I, I don't actually know that. That's the, the kind of, of experiment I would want to try to like, get him in there throughout the month of September. Like that's something where if they have any intention of pitching David Peterson out of the bullpen as a thing that would happen in the postseason, I want to see it a lot of it because that just seems like potentially high risk decisions being made. Yeah. It did look work out when they put niece in the bullpen in 2015. So maybe he can be like their sneaky knees. Hey, sneaky knees. Sneaky knees. (laughs) I like that. That sounds like a, you know, that sounds like a football play or something. (laughs) We're calling a sneaky knees. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It looks as if lefties are hitting or yeah, this is the 2022 season. Lefties are hitting 176 against David Peterson and righties are hitting 241 against David Peterson. So there is a little bit of a split there. Worth exploring. Yeah, but when it's interesting, though, because when you look at like Woba instead, it's like a lot closer, like lefty is 309 Woba righties 293 so it's like it's interesting so it's like the lefties are like you know don't have a very high average but they actually have like a pretty high on base percentage and a much higher slugging it's like he's giving up all his extra base hits to lefties but he gives up fewer hits overall but i don't know what to make of that exactly but does his stuff play up in the bullpen though yeah i I don't think it does as much as mcgill's mcgill's does that's the problem but then Williams is probably your long man. So what other role would Peterson have? I mean, you'd really need him to be the, you know, not quite a loogie because 
with the three batters rule, loogies aren't really as valuable, but you really want to see from him, you'd want to see him getting out lefties consistently. And I think that's, you know, that would be, he would be the guy who would come in when like there's an inning coming up with like two out of three lefties or. Would you trust him or would you trust Joely? I mean, Jolie's been very good against lefties. Jolie has been very good. Yeah. And that's why I feel like I would need to, I I would really want to see him get in there in games. I would want to see them like trying that out. Yeah. Agreed. For an extended period. But in the end, it's kind of just like, it all comes down to like, regardless of whether the guy is a starter or a natural reliever, like when you get down to like the stretch run and a potential like playoff roster, like David Peterson is a better pitcher than Chase and Shreve, than Yoan Lopez, than Adonis Medina. Like he's just a better pitcher than those guys. So it's like in the end, even regardless of whether it's like trying to get lefties out, trying to get both lefties and righties out, like you, you want to just put your best pitchers out there. And I think like that's kind of the modern like playoff roster is, is becoming more and more like that. Um, I think we've seen that progression um, over time, especially of late, like teams are just rostering their best pitchers, regardless of whether they're actually relievers or not. Which is not a terrible plan. I mean, no, you get, you know, there's talk all about like kind of getting your best hitters the most at bats. Well, like also, you know, get your pitchers the most at bats too. Exactly. Um. The other um, bit of Mets news I actually forgot to put in the show notes and meant to add, but uh, did happen um, this week is that the Mets promoted Francisco Alvarez top uh, top prospect from double A to triple A. We've talked about Alvarez on the show um, and how, you know, people have been clamoring for um, his promotion to the big leagues uh, just because they want to see him how we've talked about how we think that is premature but I think that you know promoting him to triple a is certainly warranted to see how he does there and I'm excited to see how he progresses at that level yeah no that's it's a really exciting season for him um but you know and I think the thing that a lot of fans including myself sometimes I need to remind myself is that like it's not just about his bat. Like he has to be able to come up and handle a staff um, or the repercussions can be, you know, can go far beyond his particular spot in the lineup. When also there's a long and storied history of very good young catchers coming up and just needing a lot of time that that's kind of a normal adjustment for catchers because they've got a lot of work to do in a lot of different ways. And yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like if Alvarez was in Queens this year, it would, it would be a pretty bad sign that something had gone terribly wrong. Right. Um, Cause I think a lot of people were talking about like, not him catching, but DHing. And it's like, you know, don't you also want him to learn how to catch. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, in addition to it hurting, like potentially hurting Alvarez's development, like to me, it's like there are so many better options in trade than yes. promoting your top like prospect and like messing up his development. Like it's not worth it to do that when you can just upgrade via trade instead. Um, like, there's a lot there's, out there. There's no guarantee he's going to come up and hit right away. 
Not at all. Yeah. So um, you can't just shove them into DH and be like, yeah, you were saved. Like there's, <laughs> you literally don't know what you have. If the trade deadline didn't exist, I feel like you could maybe talk about it, but even then it, it should be a short conversation. Um, and the team, you know, regardless of what the farm system looks like, the team is certainly in a position to make meaningful moves and they will and not do what you know the leadership of several years ago would have done which is mess up Francisco Alvarez to try to eke a couple extra hits out of him in the bigs yeah like oh my god I could just see it like them promoting him to like catch his very first game in the big leagues like against the Yankees like you know they do that shit to grab the headlines awful um And so I, yeah, I like, as far as like who is potentially available in trade, we've touched on some of this a little bit, but, um, the Mets have been connected to a few different guys. The Mets have been connected to Trey Mancini, which would be great for my personal brand. Um, and he's a very good hitter. The Mets have been connected to Josh Bell, who's had an excellent season for the nationals. Um, and you know, it's, it's unclear what their, what the asking price would be, um, I would like Mets fans who I feel like, you know, we talked a lot lot about this phenomenon in the offseason about how the Mets have kind of like become the Yankees in the way that, you know, Steve Cohen has thrown his money around and the Mets are just like simply pay for better players. I don't I I don't want us to become the Yankees fan base in the sense that we suggest trading our garbage to other teams for their good players. Like, don't you remember how annoying that was when we were on the receiving end of that, when the Yankees were like, we'll trade you Miguel Andujar for Jacob deGrom. And we were like, LOL. (laughs) But we'll need something back to cover the salary. Exactly. (laughs) Like, let us not suggest to the Orioles trading them like our garbage for Trey Mancini or for, you know, like they're really good players. Like they are not going to just trade Trey Trey Mancini for a bag of baseball. So that's not going to (laughs) happen. But the um, way that the market has been in recent years, they might trade Trey Mancini for a bag of baseballs and a lot of money. Yeah, possibly. Like that's, and which I think is like ultimately it's bad for the game. Like teams should not be, you know, selling off their valuable, successful players for like half baked nothing prospects and a big pile of money. But they do, and for better or worse. That is certainly um, a situation that the Mets are amply able to take advantage of. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the the Mets did trade the Oakland Athletics their garbage and got Chris Bassett somehow. Um, But don't expect that to be repeated. Uh, I think that the Orioles, A, are as much as I will criticize their rebuild process. Um, they're a little bit further along in their rebuild process than the A's. The A's are like actively in teardown mode, whereas the Orioles are in like, we're still bad, but we can like maybe start to see the light at the end of the tunnel mode. So it's a little bit different, um, first of all. And second of all, I just think the Orioles are a little bit of a smarter front office, to be perfectly honest. Um, so I think that they're like a bit of, a bit better at valuing prospects i mean like i don't actually like know this for a fact i just like based on who's in each front office and like my like 
relatively amateur understanding of those people. Um, I think On the other hand, the Washington Nationals front office is an absolute garbage fire. <laughs> yeah, and not very well regarded in the if industry. If they just were to like wander past the team hotel at the right minute, they could probably pick up Josh Bell for like a decent room service order. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like... I don't I don't actually know what Josh Bell would cost, but I, I and I have no idea if there's going to be like a, one of those like in division premiums with him or not, because, you know, the that nationals are so far away, though. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think that they like the idea of giving their players to the Mets, though, although they didn't seem to have a problem with them signing Max Scherzer. Um. You just there roll was, up a limo outside the hotel, tell them to get in, and then you drive away real fast. <laughs> there was get that, in, uh, loser. We're going playoff shopping. <laughs> <laughs> get in, loser. We're going playoff shopping. There was that fun. There was that random Hector Gomez report that the Nationals had offered Juan Soto like a like a much higher like extension, like a larger like a four hundred twenty five million dollars situation, like a huge increase over what they offered him before. Um, and then like immediately, someone was like, "This is not." true they haven't done anything (laughs) the nationals would never (laughs) you know what if i'm pulling up the playoff shopping car i'm telling juan soto to get in the back it was like um it was like that drill tweet like issuing a correction uh on my previous tweet regarding the baseball team nationals you do not under any circumstances gotta (laughs) hand it to them them. (laughs) are they still paying scherzer this year too uh, oh, they're playing Scherzer forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> deferred money, lots of deferred money. I think they're paying him. I think, if I recall correctly, he was he was signed for six years, and there's also six years of deferred payments. I think it was like a 50-50 kind of deal. Okay. I do like that Steve Cohen has fully leaned into Bobby Bonilla Day, by the way, speaking yeah. of deferred pay- payments. like well, Because if there's anything about Steve Cohen besides the fact that he is very rich, it's that he is extremely online. Yes. Which is very strange. Like, obviously, I find the Bobby Bonilla jokes, like, extremely played out. And we've, like, talked about this, how it's, like, really annoying how the Mets are, like, the lull Mets of deferred payments because of Bobby Bonilla as if it's, like, the only deferred payment contract in, like, the history of sports. Um, but... I think it's like a little less of a joke now because Steve Cohen is like also thinks it's funny and like doesn't give a shit. Like it's not actually yeah. like actively hurting the Mets because the Mets aren't poor anymore. So it's like, ha ha ha, happy Bobby Bonilla day. Like who cares? Yeah, we're in on the joke now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like so- we signed Max Scherzer for $40 million a year. We will have a happy Bobby Bonilla day. Yeah. And next year will also be a happy Bobby Bonilla day. Exactly. Um, like, are the Nationals celebrating Max Scherzer Day? Unclear. Probably not. I think they'll probably get a pass because he won them a title. And that, I feel like, will will cure all manner of ills, even if it isn't always entirely fair the way that shakes out. But I have a feeling that that Scherzer will perpetually get a pass. Yeah. True. Which he and again, I kind of feel like he should. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Scherzer continues to pitch well in this game and the Mets continue to not hit, although the starting pitcher is out of the game and now the Reds bullpen is in the game. Have I mentioned that the Reds have the worst pitching staff in the major leagues and the Mets currently have three hits and no runs in the sixth Someone inning? should definitely tell the Mets about this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And the Braves are going to win tonight too. So yeah. That's, um, uh... so, I mean, you know, 
the the it was guy, a rookie lefty. They were doomed. It was a rookie lefty who hadn't started in quite a long time. So like he was kind of a wild card, I guess, whatever. But now the Reds bullpen is in and they are a known entity. Like you think the Phillies bullpen is something? Wait till you see the Reds bullpen. <laughs> um, I forget what their bullpen ERA is. I think Gary said it on the broadcast. It's high. It's very high. Um so I would I would really, really like it if the Mets would pull out this game and get Scherzer a dub. I would appreciate that. That would be cool. If well, so Allison like- last week when we were um when we were going through all the returning Mets, we forgot to mention Lucchese. Oh yeah. So I, I don't know his exact um his exact status at the moment. Did you see uh, no, did you see the interview us and why you did with him the other day? Oh I didn't. So there's oh, a new, you missed there's it? new Lucchese content. Great. Yes, we got Lucchese content, and I was so happy. <laughs> he said he was working on some new stuff that he wasn't going to reveal just yet. <gasps> a chider? A spicy meatball? <laughs> I don't know. But then they said, what about the churv? And he said, I always have the churv. <laughs> <laughs> but now are there other are there other ch- pitches? I don't like- know. He was being very cagey about it. Cagey? A, a a chudder, perhaps? I don't know. A oh, chudder would be great. <laughs> chudder Island? Uh, chudder Island. <laughs> <laughs> the pitching mound would be Chudder Island when he's on oh, it. Oh, that would be so good. Um, but yeah, that's that's good to hear. I had known that he was throwing um, because through my um, undisclosed sources, I received photographic evidence from Florida of cha- of uh, of the turf of him throwing of Lucchese <laughs> throwing, which was cool. So I knew he was throwing. Oh, and Trevor May is continuing to progress in his rehab and could actually be beginning like minor league rehab assignments soon. I think that he. Um, his like timeline is like late July ish. He had said, so that's nice too. Mets could use him for sure. I think Lucchese said he's shooting for um for August. That's great. That'd Have some awful. like you know reinforcements for the bullpen, perhaps. That'd be nice. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hopefully the Mets can, um, you know, start 
winning so put together like I really would like to see I know that like it this doesn't really like the shape of how you win the shape of how you put together like a 95 plus win season which the Mets are still on track for doesn't really matter um in the end but the Mets have been a team that has not really won a, ga- a lot of games in a row and has not really lost a lot of games in a row and I think just because the Braves put put together that 14 game winning streak. Like I just really would like to see the Mets even rip off like six in a row. Like that. And they cool. did do that once they had the, the, the they swept a homestand. Yeah. yeah. Once I would once. like another one of those, please. Yes. And I think that this time they should get eight because that would equal 14 and then it's fair. Yes. 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 Um, I'm so glad like, we I, all agree. I will send over the terms of our agreement. I mean, if the Mets continue to like, you know, go along and win two out of every three games and just win every series, like I'm not, I'm certainly not going to complain about that, but Ooh, Oh God. Sorry. I, I, I for once I am live reacting. I'm usually not the one who's live reacting to games, but I have changed my setup this week such that I'm in front of the TV and the Reds just made an error. Ooh, and I am on a 20 second delay and Ooh, the reds just made an error. <laughs> yeah. They threw it away. And so Canna is at second base with one. Oh, don't worry. Six. Reds. The Mets won't capitalize. Yeah. I'm sure that they, okay. Like another, I would like to lodge another complaint, which is the Mets, ha- which is that the Mets have gone back to not hitting with runners in scoring position, like at all. Yeah. Lately. Um, even during that Rangers series where they won, I think that they still have pretty bad numbers with runners at scoring position. Because all their runs came off of like home runs, basically. Yes. Well, and they weren't going to keep hitting like that with runners in scoring position forever. Because it's just, don't do that. It's not how it works. Um, but like, it, I wish they hadn't come crashing back to earth on that particular front so fast. And it would be really great if they could just like balance out, like regress to the mean. As opposed yeah. to regressing to garbage below the meat. Right yeah. yeah. Like, and it's, I mean, like, there were times like throughout the season, like in short spurts where the Mets offense was like firing on all cylinders, but it hasn't really happened lately. Like, the, like, you know, there was a while where like Pete Alonzo and Jeff McNeil were like extremely hot. And then, and now Pete Alonso's in his slump again. And Eduardo Escobar slumped for like three weeks over the weekend. Eduardo Escobar, like really heated up as did Starling Marte. Um, but Pete Alonso looks like garbage now. Um, and it's kind of like, I would like for all of our guys to look good at once. Not even not all of them, just like the majority. Um, ooh, yeah, that um, would take some of the pressure off. Yeah, that would like help a lot. Um, but Maybe it's too much to ask, but I also um, think we have to like hunker down because this is just what it's going to be like for the whole season because the Braves are too good of a team to like go away at this point. Yeah. And so I think we have to be ready. Oh, kind of taking the extra base. We love to see it folks. Yeah. That was um, cool. We just have to be ready that like, even if the Mets do go on a run that it's probably going to be this tight for a while. So yeah, everyone gets get ready. I like I think that a lot of people, you know, when the Mets opened up that double digit lead, were hoping that it would be, you know, 2006 esque, where the Mets didn't really have there wasn't really much of a race. The Mets were just dominant the whole time. Um, I think a lot of people were hoping for that. It's clearly not gonna be the case. Um, 
which makes for stressful baseball, but fun baseball, I guess. Um, so um, in the way of a baseball segment this week, there's actually been a lot of like on brand content for this podcast uh, regarding a league of their own, um, because 2022 is the 30th anniversary of the film of the 1992 film, a league of their own, which from which this podcast gets its name. Um, and as we've mentioned on this show before, we're all very excited about the TV series that is coming later this summer in August. And we will obviously have an entire episode, maybe multiple episodes dedicated to the show. Um, but in the meantime, there's been a lot of a lot of content. See what I did? Yeah. Um, there's been like a lot of articles written um, about uh, the movie about the folks that it's based on about celebrating the anniversary, etc. And I just wanted to shout a couple of those um, articles. The first one, uh, which I really recommend you guys read um, is from Shakia Taylor, who recently got a gig with the Chicago Tribune very well deserved. She had been writing for like freelancing for various outlets for a long time, uh, baseball prospectus, etc. You may know her work. She's written a lot about Jackie Robinson about Tim Anderson. She wrote a great piece in the aftermath of the Josh Don Donaldson nonsense. Um, she does a lot of good work and you should read her stuff. Um, but she is now employed with the Chicago Tribune. Um, and she wrote about um, Rockford, uh, their celebrate Rockford of Rockford Peaches, uh, Rockford celebration of the 30th anniversary of uh, of the League of Their Own. Um, and that was like a really fun article. So you should go read that. Um the other article that came out in the past week that's been really, really that was really, really great um, was uh, Remy Tuman of The New York Times wrote a fantastic, fantastic profile on Maybelle Blair, um, who is one of the women that A League of Their Own is based on the film. Uh, she was in the All-American Girls Baseball League um, and she is now 95 years old um, and she's a freaking legend. Uh, during the press tour for the new TV series, she's been like heavily involved. She was consulted on the TV series by the creators. Um, and during, you know, the press tour for the series, she public publicly came out as gay for the first time, um, which was really cool. Just like, you know, to see because um, that's something that's addressed in the TV series. Uh, that's that the film didn't address. We talked about that when we first talked about the TV series that they explore a lot of things that aren't addressed in the film, um, including the sexuality of the characters. Um, and Maybell said, quote, I think it's a great opportunity for these young girl ballplayers to come and realize that they're not alone and you don't have to hide. I hid for 75, 85 years. And this is and this is actually basically the first time I've ever come out, um, which is, you oh, know, sad heart. that she couldn't be her authentic self in her time. But it's awesome that she's like, paving the way for female ball players now to be their authentic selves. Yeah, that's pretty it's pretty amazing. And and I'm so glad that the show is is picking up those kind of undertold stories. You know, I think it's it's hard and and misogyny is is so nasty in so many ways, but you know, one of the things is because there's always been this like, oh, you're a girl who plays sports, you must be a lesbian that there's a real pushback against that that i think it's probably part of why there wasn't more acknowledgement of um queer identity in the first movie um or in the movie i realize there's not been a second one but um i'm really hopeful that 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 part of the story which is a really important one for all american girls baseball um i really hope that that story starts to get spread more 
Yeah. And it like, you know, these these people like, you know, LGBTQ folks being visible in sports like, you know, it is the women's leagues who are, you know, pioneers in this regard. Obviously, we've talked a lot about we talked a lot about this during Pride Month, during June, about the stigmatization, you know, chasing a lot of queer people out of baseball, um, major league baseball, a men's league. But if you look to women's leagues, the WNBA, uh, women's soccer, um, you know, it there are openly queer players all over the place. And it's awesome. Um, and I think that it's really like, you know, setting an example for what men's leagues could be. There is nothing stopping men's leagues from being like that. It's just that toxic masculinity is a hell of a drug. Mm hmm. Um, and it really is sad to see the, such the difference between the two about yeah. how, you know, women are more accepting of it, at least now, than, and it seems like men are just still so far from it. Like, you know, when Kay and Canna was talking about, you know, supporting Pride and Taiwan Walker, like that was revolutionary. Like that was, that wasn't the norm. Like, you know, everybody was like shocked that they they said this and were, were like supportive. Where like in like you know women's leagues, it's just the norm. So it's like it, they're not even like they're like polar opposites of each other the way it stands now. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think it's just that you know, it's not necessarily that like women as a whole are more accepting than men as a whole. It's just that you know, sports attracts like yeah. and baseball attracts a certain subset of men. Um, and, you know, we've talked about this a lot and how and Canha outright said it like in being an ally, I'm going to be the minority in any clubhouse. And he's right. Um, whereas like, you know, you go to a lot of different spaces, even spaces that might be male dominated that are not necessarily sports. And that might not be the case, you know, um, what is it, it is like the case in, in like sports soccer and like other countries is it the same or are they more tolerant i can't i fear that i don't know enough about men's soccer <laughs> what i know about <laughs> men's soccer is that it's super racist yeah so, i know that, that so, I know. so i would say like um undetermined Okay, but not looking great. If I had to hazard a guess, if you had to guess, okay, there, there seems to be some some correlation there. I seem to recall, like I don't know, like is this just an America problem or like a world problem? I seem to recall that there are like out gay soccer players, though, and there like aren't really out gay baseball players, like at the professional. Yeah. Level. yeah. That's true. Um, as far as like how those folks are treated by their clubs and things like that, I I can't pretend to know enough. I'd have to get there are there are many folks in the Amazing Avenue circle, um, even in the Amazing Avenue like podcast family who would be like more well equipped to speak on this. Should have Thomas on as a guest to talk about <laughs> soccer more because um, he would know. Um, I, I'm a, like, you know, I know a lot about soccer, the game, and I know a lot about women's soccer. I don't know very much about men's soccer because quite frankly, I don't watch it that much. Um, but uh, I that that's the bare minimum that I do know is that there are out professional gay male soccer players. And that's not really a thing in baseball currently. Okay. That's not really a thing in any 
men's sports. Yeah, in the no. U.S. Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, I mean the big four. Yeah, the big sports, four, obviously. Um, so I think it there is at least that. But as far as like, if the culture has progressed enough where that's like, like people feel comfortable uh, existing as their authentic selves, like on the field, I am not sure if that's the case, yeah. um, or not. Um, so. Um, kind of in a related vein, um, Bradford, a uh, friend of the pod, Bradford William Davis, is doing a story on how sports leagues are handling their employees' speech regarding recent political events, um, which I, I thought was good um, to shout on the podcast, um, especially given the recent, like all the recent stuff with the new athletic policy regarding um, sharing one's political opinions. Um, and so I'll, I'll just read Bradford's tweet right out because, uh, I don't want to like misrepresent anything, but he wrote, um, anybody working for a sports league, MLB, NFL, et cetera, or franchise open to sharing how they feel their powerful politically connected employer is handling the Roe v. Wade decision or gun violence or police brutality. Um, DMs are open. I'm happy to keep you anonymous. Uh, so if you are someone who fits that description and wants to talk to Bradford, you should absolutely uh, reach out to him because I think this is going to be a really interesting piece. And I just wanted to shout that quickly. Although along those same lines, friend of the pod, Elizabeth Ben, has tweeted uh, stuff about Roe v. Wade and about mass shooting. So uh, I don't think, at least the Mets seem like they're not cracking down on that. Right, not like, putting a mulligan on or like, you know, uh, silencing her on that. Using yeah. So if she's any indication, at least the Mets seem to be okay with it. Yeah. And I mean, they did that whole, they, um, after Uvalde happened, they, they did the whole pregame ceremony and issued the statement. So it seems like at least they didn't do what the Yankees and Rays did, but at least they're not totally ignoring it either. Right. Um, and I mean, I think it is worth noting that, I mean, we talked about the, the, the Canna interview in great depth uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but I think it, it is worth noting that that ran like on state media, so to speak, like that was an SMY article, you know? Um, so I think that that's notable. It wasn't like, you know, the daily news or like something that's not connected to the Mets in any way. And um, also, uh, since I was just at the stadium on Sunday, I went with the kids, the my niece and nephew, we went to the Mets Hall of Fame. They did have the Black Lives Matter shirt up that they wore in the Mets Hall of Fame. That's cool. Yeah. That's good to see. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the, what Bradford's, piece comes up with because i know it'll be it'll be interesting he always does dig up things that make you think and all that good stuff yeah 100 percent especially since the athletic too just said no to voicing your opinion on things so yep and they had to like clarify their clarification of the policy i don't even remember (laughs) always a great sign yeah (laughs) like They've like repeatedly been on blast about God, Max Scherzer's line. Sorry. They just put it up on the screen. Six innings, two hits, no runs, 11 strikeouts. Oh God. Can we please? (laughs) That'll play. Can we please do justice for this man? Like I, come on. I'm begging the lineup. I'm spoiled rotten human. Cause I'm like, he could go seven. 
but I no. don't know what his pitch yeah. count is. I'm scared. It was it was not high. I mean, it was like 75, I think. But also, like, if they are trying to ease him in, this is it certainly looked like the right he place was getting to do it. But send him out there for two more innings, you cowards. He was being too chatty in the dugout. Yeah, he, he was never. being chatty, yeah, as as and it looked like he was smile, getting. Handshakes. I was like, oh, forget it. He's done. Yeah. Like he's done, and and Rodriguez is Joely is warming in the bullpen, so I think Scherzer's done. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, Maggie, you had something that you wanted to shout as well. Yes, I also I wanted to um to shout out. I was on a um a rival pod uh, out of the Philly area um, opposition territory with uh, Jeff Warren and. Um, and it was great. It just dropped today. It's the the Philadelphia Sports Table is the the show, and then the opposition territory is a bit they do with um with folks who cover other teams. And so they're Phillies podcast. And my my primary objective was to inform and only mildly taunt the Phillies <laughs> listening crew. But you know, but we talked we talked mostly about like where the Mets are, um, and you know the changes that they went through over the last year. Uh, I had a chance to talk some big loving feelings about Buck Showalter. Um, and yeah, so it's a, uh, it's a good listen. It's a fun show in general, but Oh, Phillies are doing quite well today. Um, and so, yeah, so check it out. We will, we will definitely link it um, on Twitter and, uh, and yeah, let me know. Yeah. I, um, I've been on uh I've been on opposition territory with Jeff a couple times um, and it's always a great time. Uh, Jeff's a great guy. Um, and for me to get, to, uh, for me to say that about a Phillies fan, you know, it's legit. Truly um, the only redeemable Phillies fan I've come across. Yes. Yeah. Like he's just like, he's really knowledgeable um, and going on his podcast. So it's an absolute pleasure. So you should check out Maggie on there. Um, and I'll let you guys know the next time I show up on there. Yeah. He tends to tap us to talk about the Mets and I will, uh, I will 10 times out of 10 when he asks me uh, go on there. Cause it's always a pleasure to, um, to talk to reasonable fans from the other side. Um, like if, if I were to go on his pod this week, I would express my uh, deepest sadness about Bryce Harper um, because Which like I that, did, I, I did have that covered of like the good better when Bryce Harper is in it. Because like it's 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 a shame. Like no one wants to see that. Um, it really sucks when the game the game is le- the game is worse for it when all, when the biggest stars are out um, are out of commission. Um, and it sucks uh, that Bryce Harper is going to miss like you know a significant Basically. amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, we are going to end the show uh, like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, so my walk-off win is that yesterday, yes, the 4th of July, um, well, I guess yesterday when we were, as of when we're recording, but um, it was my son's birthday. Thomas turned eight. Um, happy birthday. Yay. Happy birthday, Thomas. Um, and it was, it, everything just went so well. You know, he wanted his party like outside of the city, um, like outside of basically all cities. And so there was a lot of like travel involved and logistics and, but everyone who we had been hoping would be able to go did go. And it was a great party. There were a lot of trains involved. It was, it was very exciting. Um, 
I still cannot believe I pulled off a child's birthday party in the middle of nowhere, but I did. Um, and I did this like all of two days after being cleared from the COVID IL. So, um, so, and that was just really wonderful that I got to give him this party that he really wanted. Um, and then yesterday was, you know, the birthday proper and we just had a really great, like chill, lazy at home day, rode some trains. And then, um, and we did what is basically like our new favorite birthday slash 4th of July family tradition, which is like, we just walk around our neighborhood and watch the fireworks because we live uptown and like it, it is it is a big old joke that the fireworks around here are crazy um at least this year they didn't actually start until this weekend which is great because the last two years were basically nightly fireworks from may onwards um but what you can see around our neighborhood is like serious big legit fireworks i know lots of people have complicated feelings about them which i do too but to be like in our home on the street this beautiful beautiful night that we had with my like overjoyed gleeful eight-year-old just um like bouncing off the walls with joy it was it was really special um so yeah that's my walk-off win happy birthday thomas and yeah happy fourth of july to everyone else happy birthday to thomas that's fantastic glad you he had a good day Yes. And you too. <laughs> yes. That that helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, Linda Servich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Oh, well, like I said, it was we went to the game on Sunday and it was my niece and nephew's very first Met game. And um so you know, M was really excited. She had her Met shirt on, she had her Pete Alonso shirt on, so I was like, please, please let me do something. But um but, you know, you forget, like, you uh, you take City Field for granted. And then you kind of forget, like, this is all brand new to them. So when we were walking, like, we went through the rotunda. And then, you know, they had to get their souvenirs. So she got um, she got a unicorn. Danny got a dragon, a mesh dragon. And then he also got a little bear that he named Little Dommy. <laughs> oh. Dom Smith. <laughs> Well, it's so, good that Dom's been hitting for him. Yeah, so it was perfect that Pete DH'd and Dom played first. So M got to see Pete and Danny got to see Dom. Um, and then my sister likes Marte, so she got to see Marte. And then so when we went to the through the rotunda, they got their their stuff in the team store. And then we went up and we were walking because they're like, okay, let's just find food. So then when we were approaching, I was like, oh, M. You're going to be able to see the field soon. I was like, look to your left. And she looks and then she looks back to me. And then she has this like this look of like pure awe on her face. Like she like her mouth was open and her eyes were like big. And I was like, yeah, look, that's that's the field. Though. Like that's where the Mets play. And um, so she was really, really excited. And then like her and Marie went down to the field, like to see if Marte would throw him a ball. And then Lindor was signing autographs. So then they went down to see if they could get an uh, autograph from Lindor. I'm like, look, that's, that's Lindor. And she was like, I like his hair. <laughs> and then, um, and then, so they went to go take pictures with Mr. and Mrs. Matt. So they missed Marte's home run, but I told them, I was like, Oh, you know, when, they hit a home run, the home run apple goes up. So like if, if somebody hits a home run, you have to look for the home run apple. 
So then Escobar saw him run and she was back at that point. And again, just this look of like sheer, like I'll never forget this look. And I wanted to take a picture, but I was afraid she would move. So I'm like, I'm just, she's like, I have this, like this image of her burned forever in my brain. This like sh- shocked look on her face. Like that actually happened. Like he hit a home run. And um, and then she was like cheering and jumping up and down. Oh, and before the game, they also bought a trumpet. So I'm like Edwin Diaz has to come on in. And he got the Emily same. bought the trumpet. Yes, he did. It was perfect. So then they were rallying in the eighth, and I was like, no, like, you can't score. Diaz needs to come in. So oh, and then Pete, he did reach on an error. So at least them got to see him around the bases and he scored. I'm like, yeah, you got to see Pete score, and she was jumping up and down. And um, so then Diaz comes in and it's so funny because the whole stadium turns to the dugout, to the bullpen to watch him come in. And everybody gets their phone out. Like they all start like filming just to like watch him log in. Playing and um, so it was perfect. Like and she saw the win and she was jumping up and down. Danny had a tough day because he was hot and just not having it. Um, but he did get his ice cream in the home run helmet. Um, and then they, they there's the Dynamets dash afterwards. So they got to run the bases and Danny Marie didn't think he would, but he high five Mr. Bet. And, um, so, it, you know, it ended up being a really good day and like, it's so rewarding. And like, I hope they end up like loving city field as much as we do. And just to like, see them like take it all. Cause like I said, we, we take all this for granted at this point, but just to see, see it through their eyes, like how shocked. And then Jimmy, my brother-in-law is a Yankee fan. So I went to Yankee stadium the week before. And, um, but Emily said she liked city field better. So <laughs> it is better. <laughs> yeah. She knows what she's talking about. He absolutely knows what she's talking about. And she's 100% Everyone knows. Correct. So, so it was a good day. Diaz came in, Escobar and Marte hit home runs, and Pete scored at least. So I'm got to see Pete and Dom had a good game for Danny. So it was it was just like, oh, but it was so freaking hot. Oh my god, we were in the sun the entire time. <laughs> but other than the the heat, it was it was a good day at the ballpark. And then my mom and dad catching COVID the next day, but <laughs> So fingers crossed that I stay off the COVID IL now. Um, but yeah, no. Like, thank you, Mets, for actually, you know, coming through for my niece and nephew. Um, because then when New York Groove was playing, like, Jem was jumping up and down and high-fiving everybody. And there was a sweet little boy in front of us who was wearing a McCann jersey. <laughs> so even McCann had a double and he was jumping up and down and pointing to his jersey. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So we high-fived him. So even that little boy had a good day at the ballpark too. <laughs> yeah. There's no better walk-off win than a great day at the ballpark. Like, yeah, you really can't. You can't go wrong with a, a good day at City Field. Yeah. Um, so my walk-off win this week, um, is that my cousin got married over the weekend, um, which was very lovely, even though it's the reason I'm on the COVID IL, I'm pretty sure, (laughs) but I, (laughs) there were several, um, amazing things about that wedding. It was just so lovely. Um, you know, it was nice to see my family. Um, I haven't seen some of them in quite some time, so it was really nice to get to see everybody. Um, and the wedding was beautiful, of course. Um, I had a great time. Um, 
a few a few highlights uh were first of all um her dog was the ring bearer <gasps> um oh, and her dog oh. is named Carter um oh, so it kind of a, dog? a cavalier king charles spaniel no. um those are my favorite oh he is so freaking cute. I'm obsessed with her dog. I love her dog so much. He always comes when we used to uh, go to Cape Cod every year. Cape Cod is like my family's like summer vacation. It kind of got the tradition kind of got interrupted by COVID. So we like haven't been in a few years. Um, uh, it's actually during July 4th that we always used to go. Um, but we haven't been in the past couple of years because of COVID. Um, but uh she would always bring the dog and he was a fixture on our family vacations because he's just the best. Um, and so, yeah, he was the ring bearer. So that was highlight. Number one was uh, Carter as the ring bearer during the ceremony. So freaking cute. Uh, he was wearing a little tux and everything. It was great. Oh. Um, precious. You have pictures of this. Yeah, I do. Need- I do. Okay. They're, they're kind of grainy, no. uh, but I, cause I zoomed in like just on the dog. Uh, but I do have pictures okay. of this. I will please send, send them to me. Yes. We need. These okay. Pictures. Thank you. Um, no, highlight number two was that um, my other cousin um, had a baby um, about like 16 months ago. Um, oh, and that's this a was, good age. And this was the first time I got to meet the child. Um, her name is Ella and she's so freaking cute. Um, and I, I was just very happy to get to meet um, my cousin's baby for the first time. So that was like the second like big highlight was that, you know, I had really and you got to time. miss the wrinkled meatloaf stage. Yes, yes, yes. And she like, you know, she's she's at the stage. She doesn't really talk. She like babbles and like will say like mama and like that's about it. And she like can walk a little bit. But like, you know, she like takes like three wobbly steps and falls down. But she's like very, very ambulatory via crawling. Um, It's the best thing when they fall too. Uh. I know. And she does. She sort of does this thing where she like like she will like take a few wobbly steps, like fall down. And instead of just like going into crawl mode, she'll like have her hands on the floor and just co- sign- sort of like walk on all fours, like, like crab walk oh, almost. <laughs> if I could, if, if I could birth a one-year-old, I would have 10 kids right now. So <laughs> yeah, Thank God, uh, she's, she's very, very cute. Um, Aww. so I, I was just, that was another highlight was getting to meet her for the first time. Um, and then the third highlight, which is relevant to this podcast, um, is that my cousin is from Buffalo, um, the bride and she, uh, therefore is a huge Toronto Blue Jays fan. Um, and so she and her dad for the father daughter dance, uh, did the dance for this Blue Jays seventh inning stretch song. Um, Oh my God. That's and if amazing. you guys have, if, if you listeners have not, are not familiar with the Blue Jays seventh inning stretch song, it is not like an existing song that they use for the seventh inning stretch the way that like Sweet Caroline or Lazy Mary is. It's like an original song that's oh, specifically wow. for the Blue Jays. It's almost like, you know, Meet the Mets the way that that was written for the Mets, even though that's not the Mets seventh inning stretch song, but the Blue Jays have like an original song just for the Blue Jays. It's like the the chorus is like, okay, okay, Blue Jays, Blue Jays, let's play ball. And there's like a specific dance that goes with it. I only know this because I went to Toronto. It was actually the last like major trip I took before COVID. It was like summer 2019. Um, I went to Toronto to visit a friend um, and we went to a Jays game. 
and we were getting near the seventh inning and she was like, prepare yourself for the seventh inning stretch. I was like, why? She's like, there's a dance and a song. And it's like very, very fun. I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And then it came on and everybody like got up and started doing the dance at once. And I was like, this is great. Um, <laughs> and so my cousin and um, her dad did like the Blue Jays uh, seventh inning stretch like dance as their um, father daughter dance, which I thought was perfect. Um, so that was another highlight was my fellow baseball, all my family, a lot of my family members are baseball fans. So it's like the one thing that unites us, even though, um, we're not all Mets fans, uh, we still are united by our love of baseball. So, um, I was really, really cool. Um, so yeah, it was just a nice wedding, um, and a nice way to spend a weekend. Um, and hopefully I, hopefully I'm not too worse for wear <laughs> in the end. Um, so uh, that does it for the show this week. Um, you can go to amazingavenue.com, check out all of our fantastic content. We've got um, other Amazing Avenue audio pods for you. We've got game recaps. We've got analysis. We've got uh, weekly meters. We've got all that stuff for you, morning news posts, everything. Um, so you can check that all out. Um, you can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite. PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servage. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. You can email the show own at gmail.com. Uh, you should subscribe to the podcast, Amazing Avenue Audio, wherever you get your podcasts from. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.